for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. Today is episode two of the season 23, and uh, we've got a lot to catch up on. Uh, We've been scouting. David's been scouting a lot. I've been able to get out a couple times, but uh, we we figured, you know, we kind of hinted on this last time, but you know, when I did season 22, it was like real time, real time that day kind of deal. This is within the last couple of days where it's just scout so much. It's just hard to do an episode every day, you know? Um, so I think this one you scouted a couple of days ago. I did as well. I did a whole bunch of work on the one acre. So, you know, this will just be a like, kind of a culmination leading up to today and what we've noticed and what we've seen and what we've done. So I think that's just kind of how we're going to roll this off season until we get into the season. And when we are in the fall, it'll be day to day updates for sure. Yeah. You know, during this off season time, all this scouting we're doing, it's to do an episode every time. Sometimes it, it wouldn't be like a whole lot of content there. Right. Right. Because not every, not every scouting day is equal. You know, there, there is no bad days of scouting, but there's a lot of times where, you know, day A and day B of scouting, they provide two different, you know, things of content or, you know, information wise. Yeah, for sure. And that's another thing we want the content to be uh, relevant for one thing, but we also want it to be engaging. So, you know, when you go out and put boots on the ground and you might find a couple of rubs and it's like, well, did the, the everybody finds rubs when they go scouting so it's like is there engaging things that we can talk about and maybe there is maybe you find a big shed under a rub i don't know um but yeah that's just trying to stay engaging with it and keep everybody interested and and the biggest thing what you and i wanted to do not with just this but the podcast in general is just stay relevant we want to be relevant or relatable not relevant i'm sorry relatable uh, relatable to everybody out there, you know, and, and what we're doing. And I think we're doing a good job of it. A lot of good feedback still coming. Uh, the Andy May podcast from a couple of days ago. Wow. Holy cow. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what you've been hearing from people, but it's an overwhelming, uh, shout out of, of love on that podcast. That was a good one. Yeah, that, that was a really good one. And like we said in the intro of that one that, you know, People were going to see a little bit different side of Andy, mm-hmm. you know, because he, you know, he's human too, you know, and yep. and you can always tell even with Andy at the level he's at, he's still a student of the game, learning, learning from those mistakes or you know those mishaps during the season. Yeah, for sure. That that's you nailed it right there because that that was the conversation we wanted to have with him and try to see that vulnerable side, but. Yep. Um, you know, because he's human, just like everybody else out there, you know. So today's podcast, like I said, season 23, episode two of it. Today is February 17th, Friday. Um, good day. Uh, some snow. I've got some snow here in Michigan. I don't know. Um, I was hoping we weren't going to because uh, we just lost all the snow a couple days ago. So I'm like trying to get back out and do some more scouting. But a uh, little bit of snow on the ground, so hopefully it won't stay but uh, today's, today's episode is going to be brought to you by Latitude Outdoors. 
And uh, if you guys go to latitudeoutdoors.com and use the code THEFALLPODCAST, all one word, you can save 25% on any accessories, any classic two saddles, uh, anything that you're looking to, to upgrade, you know, stuff like that, ropes and and uh, maybe some carabiners or even gear straps. That's one thing. Like, we're, we're going to get into some more podcasts on gear and our gear, but, like, that gear strap last year to me was, like, awesome. I don't want to get too far to the weeds, but that thing, like, is as little as it is, it served a big purpose, you know? Yeah, it's it's almost like a multi-tool, you know, because it is. I, yep. it, you probably used it more than just, you know, as a bow hanger, as a backpack hanger, or as a, as a GoPro hanger. Like, they, that, that thing's mm-hmm. like a Swiss Army knife up there in the tree. It really is, yeah. So go to Latitude Outdoors, check those out. Also, the stick pre-order is still going on, so go there and pre-order the sticks. And uh, you want to do that because they're going to be shipping them in the order they received the pre-orders. So go do that. All right, let's get into today's podcast uh, topics. Let's start with you real quick um, and kind of get, you know, you've been scouting a lot. You found a really good buck dead the other day. Uh, Mm. That's a heartbreaker. Number five of the year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Number five of the year. You know, it's last year I found eight deadheads and out of the eight, you know, I I believe there was one, one and a half year old. I had uh, like three two and a half year olds no maybe a couple more than that then a then one or two three-year-olds and and it's last year after finding eight i was you know my buddies were always be like yeah that's that's um you know an anomaly finding that many in one year but here we are kind of only a month and a half of you know off season or postseason scouting and I'm already at five this year, so I'm kind of worried that I'm I'm probably going to break that mark again this year. Man, that's brutal. That really yeah. is brutal. And you know, you and I talked about extensively on the phone the other day about you really didn't think that you had many deer that were made it through. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you're kind of like hoping that there's going to be something to chase next year, which. You know, it seems like every year there usually is like, you know, I've had years where it's like, man, every deer got shot and then all of a sudden just one shows up and you're like, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Where where have you been? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's always nice, like kind of, you know, rolling into January and then, you know, throughout the off season, knowing like if you had a handful of bucks that made it and I've had those years and that's always a great feeling where this year I'm going to, I mean, you and I had that discussion where it's like, yeah, I, I lost a lot of deer this year, a lot yep. of deer this year. And, th- but there's always this concept where it's like new bucks show up every summer and it's like, they just come out of the woodwork sometimes. And, you know, I think they they shift a little bit, especially that two to three year old range are shifting. And sometimes luckily it's back into like areas that I can hunt, but I, I'm mm-hmm. going to lose some too. But, uh, yeah, when, you know, when you know how many you lost during gun season and then you're finding this amount of dead bucks every year, it's, it's just tough, you know, and that, and it's really tough to get them to an older age class when you're losing, you know, you're a lot of your prime young ones. Yeah. You and I are on like totally ends of the spectrum, different ends, uh, because I've got some good deer that made it through, um, yeah. some deer that I was going to shoot last year mm-hmm. and they're still alive, you know, today, like, uh, yeah. I, yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you no, you you do and I I am really excited. I you're going to have a, a nice, you know, a uh, nice crop of bucks going in the summertime, but you know, that's that's a little bit of the flip side of hoping a new one shows up or like you're just hoping that they actually stay, you know, or you know, yeah. like I I think you and I we we're you're somewhere around that 3 to 4 bucks that have probably made it where it's like in my mind if I could get half those bucks to stay, it'd probably be a good summer. Yep. Yeah. So in my scenario, I have six bucks that made it through six rack bucks, one that I was going to shoot last year, one that was borderline. And the other one was like, please make it through, please make it through. Um, and they all did. Uh, I went on a scouting mission the other day and, uh, was able to glass them from the road and got footage of these deer still all of them are still holding both sides and uh so my evenings have been going back to that location and um glassing every night and they are like clockwork right now mm-hmm. and i'm just waiting for them to drop their antlers so i can go pick them up hopefully <laughs> um that that kind of leans into like my first question i got a question for you you know okay. If you have that situation, you know, I there there's a group of uh, of about nah, 20 deer. They're all yarded up. And you can see some of them are shed already. Um, are you waiting for, like, okay, if you have, like, a group of 20 deer and, like, each day that you're seeing them shed possibly, are you waiting for all of them to shed before you go in there and start bumping them around possibly? Or are you going in and just trying to scoop them up, like, when you have time? Well, I, I guess if I was in that situation um, that you're sitting in and with time, you know, always on the back of my mind is, you know, I, the deer on my wall is probably always more important than the shed sitting on the fireplace, right? So, like, the scouting mm-hmm. is always a lot more important to me than just finding some sheds. But this is why I always think it's very important to have, you know, multiple options. When I say options, I mean properties. So let's say property A, you have, you know, three or four bucks that you're like, man, I would love to find those sheds. And you can kind of just let them sit on that and spend your time scouting something else. And so that's, that's probably what I would do is if it was a pretty high priority to me about finding those sheds, I would just let those deer be probably until probably sometime in March, the mm-hmm. beginning of March, the mid-March. But I also wouldn't be sitting around just waiting for that. I would be headed to different properties. I'd be door knocking. I would still be doing something out there in the woods that, you know, make my time valuable, but also let those bucks just kind of sit there, do their thing, hopefully shed. Hopefully I can pick those up maybe a month from now. Yeah, th- that makes total sense. And that's kind of what I'm doing. I mean, I've been scouting where I've done most of my scouting has been on a farm that like, I really don't care if I do bump them in a way. Now Mm -hmm. the farm that these deer are on, it was a new farm that I picked up last year and it's kind of a drive. So it's like, um, you know, I'm just kind of, it's easier to let it, let it be, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Uh, and just, the my one farm that I, I'm scouting, like I I don't get to see deer every day out there, like holding antlers. So that's maybe it's a little bit of a head game there too. Like okay, I don't see like 
a deer out there that I'm waiting to shed. Like, okay, like maybe it's just, I'm just going to go scout. And if there is one there, I'm going to bump him around, I guess. But I will say where I am scouting, um, when I do bump deer there, they're not going to go very far. Now, the new farm I have where the deer are, I don't want to bump them out of there because they could run for four miles. Yeah. <laughs> so a yeah. uh, yeah. little different terrain. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Just kind of, you know, knowing about the deer you're talking about and where they're at, I would, yeah, I mean, I would probably, honestly, I'd just be sitting on it right now. And you, you mm-hmm. have other stuff. You can go scout, you know what I mean? Go learn. But, yeah, it's, uh, I, is this probably one of the rare opportunities you've had that there's a high probability of being able to scoop? We're not talking one or two, Shad. There, there's, a, there's a good chance of scooping, like, Hey, you may have a personal best day in a month from now. This is the first year. I mean, that's why I'm so geeked. Like, that's why I make the drive to go and look at the field every night uh, that I can. Because I don't get this scenario all the time. Like, I watched a video last night on YouTube of Lee Likoski. Like, he did a video of him uh, shed hunting with his family and everything. It was 20 minutes, and he's picking up the one shed he found was like 93-inch side you know, and it's his next 200. And I'm like, geez, like that'd be just so much fun just to walk out and sc- I don't even care if I keep them just like scoop them up. You know, um, I've got a buddy, Mitch Reitz is on, he sent me Snapchats last night. He found three last night, you know, and like, I just, I think it's like really cool. And, you know, last weekend it was really nice here and, and Peyton and I went out one day and she found one the first day. And then the second day, my wife, uh, came out with us and, uh, she, Peyton found another one in our field, um, at our family farm. And I'm like, that was really cool. And you like Peyton, like her eyes just lit up, you know what I mean? And it was just like, this is so cool. And then, you know, we got into talking about how we're scouting for next year. And then, so now that's what she's telling all of her friends at school is like, we went scouting to, to know where we can hunt for next year. Like, that's what she's saying, you know? And I'm like, she's just latching onto it. So that's really cool. Cause I never got that opportunity like shed hunting wasn't a thing back then when we were five, like, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> um, so it's just like exciting it, to see like where I could have a possibility to go scoop some up. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's almost like you have a feeling that you're actually going to be able to participate in shed rally this year. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you I'm know, not, and, I'm and, not the guy that likes to go out and just plant sheds to take pictures right. for IG. I'm not that guy. <laughs> shots fired here we go yeah but but it almost it almost sounds like it's maybe you know in a month from now when you want to go look for those sheds maybe it shouldn't be you looking for maybe it should be peyton looking for those yes because i'm a terrible shed hunter i cannot see them and my biggest problem is like when i'm out shed hunting i've got to be in a field because if i'm not i'm like this i'm like you know what am i looking like i don't look for you turn to scouting yeah, I'm. I'm. It's scouting, and I can't flip my brain. To be honest yeah. with you, well, that's so. that's it's probably you know I'm the same way, right? Like, as you know, ten years ago, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna go shed hunting, and I, and it's not like I find much. Where it's like, now it's like, no, I'm not going shed hunting. I'm just gonna go scouting, and I scout so much where it's like I'm gonna bump into a shed sooner or later. But it's like I think that's just a you know uh, we're just a product of our environment. It's not like it's not like shed hunting in Michigan is phenomenal. People people mm-hmm. don't come here to go shed hunting, you know. Right. Yep. For sure. 
Uh, yeah, so moving on a little bit here, the notes. So the shed hunting and those, I want to ask you about that. What do you got next on your on your docket? Do you have anything? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. There, I got a couple couple points here. Um, you know, nothing's going to be groundbreaking. Some of the stuff is just always a good reminder uh, just to, to other people and myself, you know. The one day I went scouting, and if people always see, if they think, like, man, David scouts a lot, you got to remember, I, I don't get like full day of scouting trips in. I get a lot of two to four hour trips. So like when, if I have that two to four hour trip, like it's, I have things planned in my head where it's like, say for instance, what this first point I'm going to hit, I knew in that two to four hour trip, I wanted to hit three different properties, but I picked three small properties. And when I say small, these, all three of these properties are about 40 acres or less. Some are quite mm-hmm. a bit less than 40 acres and some are right about that. So the one day I picked the, the three, three properties, 40 acres or less. And at the end of the day, I found something pretty like in my mind, I was thinking about how my day went and that's kind of what we all do. I think at the end of a day scouting and when we're walking out or driving home, it's like, you feel really good about that day. Like, man, I can't wait to get back in there. I can't wait to like look back at the map and see how it played out. But what was running through my head was if the average guy, if I, if I gave, if I sent everyone an aerial photo of all three properties and I told you to rank them from best to worst and you label them one, two, and three. Well, after scouting them, they were actually the complete opposite of that. So like what looked like the worst from like an aerial, uh, view image was actually the best it, it, when I say the best like it it showed the best sign in there and at the end of the day when I was thinking about that as you know instantly I'm like well why is that it's because of the human pressure that's happening on what looks to be the best piece right that's from and these are these are all properties that every other people can hunt too right mm-hmm. and so sometimes it's like this, that, you know, that reminder of, you know, just because it's the best looking piece of property, you know, from Google earth does not mean it's going to show the best deer hunting sign in there. So that was always, that, that's a good reminder, you know, to everyone and myself. It's like, don't, don't judge a book by its cover basically. And the next thing was after the kind of that, that trip, and that showed some good, you know, that, like I said, that the worst looking property had some pretty good sign. And while I was there, like, I'm a big advocate for like, if, if I'm going to run trail cameras, I'm going to, I want to do a damn good job at it. So I'm also like prepping trail camera locations sure. right now. Like, cause when I go back in there in July and August to hang a camera, I want to just hang a camera and get out of there. So like, I'm going to really, you know, make sure that anything I can get out of the way now I'm going to do that. So in July and August, it's minimal presence in there basically. Mm -hmm. So I I did prep one trail camera location and, and the one piece. And then like I found a spot that I would, I would possibly sit. We'll see what the trail camera shows. But, um, the next, the next piece I kind of rolled into a few days later, um, a snowstorm had come through and this particular piece, I know that like deer, deer use it kind of all year round. And it's probably one of the, the only pieces I have in Michigan that has some like true topography to it. It's not a lot, but it's enough that, you know, I've had the property for two years that what little bit I've been on it, that 
I was starting to see like, okay, I think these deer are actually using this property more of the topography than they are the actual cover, which okay. is the opposite, which is the opposite of what a lot of my properties are. A lot of my properties are cover based movement kind of, you know, that the inside that security cover, how they move from point A to point B type of thing. And I've kind of been sitting on that property waiting for some snow. And a lot of guys, you know, they, they want to wait till the snow is gone. And I do too. Like, that's my favorite. But I knew with the snow and there's a pretty high number of deer that use it. And uh, you know, there is there is a good buck that uses it. Like, a, he's a shooter this year. He should be one next year. Well, I knew once we got snow, if I would wait a week and let those deer really hammer down that property, how they're using it that I could go out there and just kind of backtrack all the trails through there and just watch and learn how they are using them. Walk all those trails, you know, and, and sure enough, like they are using what little bit of topography changes on that piece of property. They are using that 100%. And I, I sent you some videos and they're not only are they, you know, using that topography change for you know, movement, but they are you know, there's some heavy bedding on there too, like extremely yeah. heavy bedding on there. But there, there is a lot of deer though right now in there too. So that's that's one good that's one good point. And uh, there was a chance for maybe a good shed, but that was like I I weighed my options there. Where it's like I knew I I really been waiting for that snow to be able to walk those trails. So you know I knew that he probably wasn't shed yet, possibly. But I want it was more important for me to go learn the the trail system out there. Um, than actually finding that shed. So Wait, that, that, uh, real quick, when ahead. you find those beds, what is that telling you right now? Is that is that uh, viable information for you right now for next fall, or how do you how do you how do you uh, put that information in your memory bank, and how do you make it to where it can benefit you for next year? Yeah, well, the the particular bedding on that property right now, you could tell is just straight wintertime bedding, like stuff that they would yep. probably, they're not going to bed in in the summertime. They're not going to bed in in the fall. But like there, there was one instance out there where I found like one, you know, isolated bed up out of a swamp, you know, like down this ridge, down into a swamp where it's like you could tell like that, that was a buck laying there. I do not, I can't tell you how, the size or the caliber of the buck. But you could tell, like, he was even laying there right now in the winter time, where it's like, yeah, he's probably laying there quite a bit. But, mm -hmm. you know, some of that stuff, you could just feel this, the sun shining down in there. So it's like, it made a lot of sense for yep. why they were bedding there. And, but even though, you know, like, they're not getting human pressure right now, they are, you know, I knew where they were feeding at night, and it's on a completely different property where it's like they were traveling a quarter to half a mile from in from this you know particular woodlot to this food source like they're still they're still traveling a long ways way and it just it just verifies that they actually feel pretty damn safe inside that that cover where they were bedding so that's yeah, a good clip I mean, for traveling every night right now yeah, it's it's a really good clip and around here I over the last few years I I really noticed that like the the deer will travel long ways away you know because some of that travel may be across open fields so then obviously they're not just betting right. in those open fields at least not at during the day at night they will you know you you know you ever turn a corner on a on a intersection of a road and you see all those eyes out there just laying down where they're just you know, yep. they're on their feet they're on their belly all night long you know but yeah it's i mean it's something to always put in the memory bank but um i just know that during the fall that those aren't all 
exact betting locations. Mm-hmm. But then uh, kind of just rolled in, you know, to another day of scouting. Um, scouted a really small piece, and this is this is the second smallest piece I I have permission on. I'm not going to say exactly how small the the piece is because um, it's it's tiny, but it also has the potential for the biggest deer, maybe the two biggest deer that I know of in Michigan that um, that should be around next year. And I, man, I wish I could scalp so much more. But the one thing I, I do, I, like I, I just I look at the map, and the, this is the point is. I look at the map and I wish I could scout so much more, but I can't. I I I've done everything I've done. I've already knocked on more doors this year, and I'm gonna actually circle back to the door knocking thing here in a second. But I just want to hit on, even though this is a small acres, I'm just gonna say it's less than 20, but it's in such a great neighborhood. And when I say neighborhood, I'm not talking like a subdivision neighborhood. I'm talking like it is in a neighborhood that's holding really high end caliber deer especially for michigan i mean one or two mm-hmm. of these bucks are, are nice deer anywhere in the country so um so with that piece i kind of did the same thing it didn't take much to walk it i could you know I'd, it only took me about three hours to really pick it apart but i don't want to have to really go back in there again because unless i get new permission on something surrounding i already know the thing so i went ahead and i i prepped my uh, trail camera location i'm in a couple crossings like junctions and I actually already prepped the tree that I need to be hunting in because it's, I mean, you're very limited out there. Right. But yeah. So, but circling back to that door knocking thing, I was thinking about this the other day that over the last 10 years, I've always kind of made it a goal to pick, I'd knock on 10 doors a year. Now it's way more than 10, but that was always kind of the base standard is 10. And a lot of times I'd get no, but you know what? I, I swear that since COVID, I people don't even answer the door anymore. Like they're so like I, I don't bet. know if they're just scared of me standing out there and ha- like they have no clue. And I get I understand that they don't know what I'm up there to ask or if they're worried about getting something. But it's like shit. I I struggle with just getting people to answer the damn door nowadays. It's like I, I can take a no, but it's like <laughs> not answering the. Door. I can hear your TV. <laughs> I can hear you guys talking in there. Your lights Dogs are barking. On. <laughs> yeah, the lights are on. It's like. Man, it's it's just tough to to get people to answer the door now, but yeah, but yeah, but then after that, I just kind of had one other really big day of scouting, and that was a uh, you know um, just the other day, and I already knew of this hard transition, you know, it, um, this is small painted pictures, big food sources to the north and the south, and you know, good real good bedding in between, and just a real long east west type of transition. And I, I really wanted to walk that with no snow and not only no snow, but it's not flooded right now, which is very, very rare. I mean, you don't even need rubber boots, which is, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it like this, but I wanted to walk every, every break in that transition. When I say break, I mean like all of a sudden the transition goes into the swamp a little bit, or it comes out to on a point a little bit. And I, I basically was walking every trail in and out of there, but then I was looking to really find where there was junctions in those trails coming out of there, like one or two trails were coming together in a Y, you know, north and south trails are eating that, you know, or not eating that, meeting the, uh, the east and west just on the outside of that transition. And 
I what I found interesting is since it was dry this year, that I was finding a lot of scrapes on those junctions of trails where they were coming together just outside that bedding. And okay. I kind of hope I kind of hope that it's dry again this year because, man, there was some good looking scrapes. You know, like those those thumb style size you know licking branches that real twisted up and uh even though i've known that of that transition and i've kind of been like really picking it apart i actually was able to find like three legitimate spots where it's like you'll probably somewhat be hunting the same movement but like three different spots along that transition where it's like i would not be afraid to throw a hunt at one of those for sure and uh that same day um found uh, found a, a day old shed actually the dog did and then found it a real nice deadhead uh probably a two and a half year old nine point real nice brows good mass already uh he had made it through bow season i'm guessing he got killed during gun season so sometime but yeah just of uh really just putting a lot of boots to the ground lately and uh doing like i said propping a lot of trail camera locations when i find those where i'm like Yes, I want to put a, you know, a camera here for the year-round intel. Like, I'm not afraid to prep it right now. And I get it where guys may say, well, I don't, I'm not worried about that till July or August where it's like, no, I, I, I want my trail camera locations to be pristine. Like, if mm-hmm. I'm going to, if I'm going to use them and run them, I want them to work for me. Yep. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores, and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's something that you know, I've been telling you about, like, I was going to do it the other day, like build a mock scrape the other day, but there was two inches of snow still in the timber where I wanted to do it. And honestly, my plan, I'm going to go back and do it, uh, here whenever the snow melts. And, um, I might even do it while the snow is on the ground, just because it was a hard crusty snow at first. And I really couldn't, didn't have the tools to do it at the time. But my whole thing is I'm experimenting this year. Like I told you, I, 
you know, on the property line on the neighbors that one scouting trip I did earlier, I found a huge, huge scrape and it's literally five feet off the property line, not on me. So you could yep. walk and you could see it. It was just a beacon right there. I'm experimenting. The deer made that. Okay. I'm experimenting and I'm going to try to pull them and eliminate that scrape by just, I'm not going to obviously trespass or anything, but eliminate, eliminate it by building a bigger scrape and one that might, I'm going to mimic that scrape, same tree, same everything, but on my side and see yeah. if I can pull the deer. A lot of people are like, why are you even messing around with that? I'm like, well, cause I'm going to try to learn something. It might, oh. I might, I might fail like a son of a bee, like deer might not even take it over. But my whole thing is, I want to go back and I want to build a truck hood size scrape under that tree right now. I'm not going to put anything in it, but I'm going to build it. So it's like, just, wow, what is this here? You know, um, and just get them visually seeing it. And then once, cause you know, I wish a lot of people could see your, your cameras and how deer are still right now on February 16th or 17th hitting scrapes. Like, not roughing them up or anything, but playing with them, heading them, still playing with the vine, all that thing. Like every day you have pictures of deer doing that, don't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Every day. I mean, standing up on you, even like the, I see this with the, the fawns a lot, you know, where like they're, they're staying up on their, their hind legs and, and almost paw at it with their, their front hoofs. But yeah, it's, um, they, they don't, they don't stop messing with these things. Like they're constantly no. smelling them and, and more, more important than anything is just the location of them and i i i find in these junctions i keep talking about a junction i even even on like a the mapping apps i i when i drop a waypoint a lot of times i probably drop more junction waypoints than anything but yeah that when you talk about you know opening up that scraper it's like i almost feel that the the scrapes that i make that they're so visually like attractive to anything or out in the woods or maybe not even attractive, but almost like curious or like, what is that? You know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. they, it's like, they almost have to come check it out. And once they do, they realize they kind of like their natural instincts kick in of what they're supposed to do to it. Yeah. And they just take it over. Yeah. And, the, and you talk about the junction, this spot where I want to put this is in a junction and there's two main highways that come through here. And what I, what you just said it, what, this is what I want to happen. I want fawns and does and whatever right now to come and put their head in it and start putting their scent in it. I just want them to kind of, as they're passing by, like play with it and then, you know, move on. Like, I just want them to start taking it over because I feel like this could be a scrape that is there every year and they use it every year. So that's, that's one big thing I'm going to try to learn and, and, uh, do this year and, uh, I'm the same way. Like I'm looking for trail cam locations right now and how I can tweak them, you know, up where, um, we had the Riley scrape, we know that kind of the coyotes took that over, which was, mm -hmm. you know, moved the deer movement about 200 yards to the, uh, North Northwest kind of. And I went back in there and looked at that spot, uh, the other day and, yeah, you can definitely see that the deer are funneling around where they used to come, where that Riley scrape was. The the coyotes put a den right underneath the camera, right by the scrape. And remember, like we were like, why are like just the coyote activity just like picked up like crazy on camera in there? It was like almost like, man, is there something dead around there? Or you know? And then finally, I went and looked at it, and they they made a new den 
four feet from the scrape, you know, and it totally turned. I'd get a, a random doe here or there come through in the middle of the night, no more daylight pictures, and it just it totally screwed that scrape up. It's the first time I've ever had that happen. So I did check out that new location, and I think I'm going to tweak a little bit. I don't really like where it's at um, because I feel like it's too open. Uh, I was going back through my camera pictures last year, and there was two days in the latter part of October that I was having shooter bucks show up two days in the evening in daylight. Now, historically, that might be something that I, I look back to next year um, in those two days to maybe go throw a sit at it. But I think the I think the camera location needs to move probably 80 yards, to be honest with you. All right. So, so, so let me ask you this. If if you have you have daylight evidence of bucks using this, what what like just like is it because of kind of how we were brought up and then once we started learning more about the big deer in Michigan that you feel like it needs to be in more security cover? I mean the yep. the deer are using it in daylight. I mean that's that yep. that's half that's that's a major part of the battle right there. Well what exactly is making you want to move that? Well, to be honest, it's security cover. I mean, this is the deer desert where this thing is at. It's mature oak ridge that you could hit a five iron through this thing and probably maybe clip a tree. Maybe. You know what I mean? It's um, To me, it's we talked about this the other day on a phone call, just like when you cross Michigan state lines, you know, you can hunt a deer desert, in my opinion. You go to Iowa, Kansas or something where we might be like, it's way too open in here. And you even said like you were in Iowa that one year in public and you threw a camera up and you had the same feeling of like, there's no deer going to hit this scrape. And then like you said, every day there was a 130 or plus different buck would hit that scrape in daylight. You know, it's just different. So I just don't, I, I, I was getting a lot of bucks on the camera but I wasn't getting the consistent daylight activity with there not being a ton of pressure around there. I know there wasn't a ton of pressure around there. So I'm like, why I'm starting to ask myself, why are they here late? Well, the, the camera and the scrape is too far. Um, I need to backtrack. So we backtracked a little bit the other day and came to a hemlock swamp which is probably a little bit farther than 80 yards, but I feel like safely I could move 80 yards and start getting into the fringe of that cover. And that's where I'd actually set up. And I think 80 yards adjustment would probably give me just enough time where that deer would come out and he might be staging up in there. Um, and obviously this is for like probably an early October to middle of October timeframe. But I still am looking at as well, um, how deer can or bucks can use this downwind check it downwind of does so i've kind of got a perfect storm i've got you know i've got food destination food and then oak ridge and like so like in the middle is where i would put the scrape but on the east side is the hemlock swamp so i feel like setting up in the middle there where deer would still be trying to circle downwind of checking a the bedding but also in hindsight like Two, I think they could, not in hindsight, don't know why I just said that, but two, I think they could be checking that scrape at the same time, two birds, one stone, and then I could kind of get them on that loop. That's the way my head's feeling. Um, I don't know, but I'm kind of on that fringe 
of the cover. I'm not like right on the edge. I can't get on the edge. I feel like those deer are not betting that far into that swamp, that hemlock swamp. Yeah. Um, so, so with the thought of moving that, get a little bit closer to the, you know, the cover, you know, then quote unquote, probably the bedding area. Are you going to eliminate the one up in the Oaks or are you going to keep that there? That's the thing. Like I've thought to myself, like just go cut the branches. It's on private so I can cut and do whatever, like cut the branches off to eliminate that scrape right there. But then I'm like, maybe leave it. Don't do anything to it. Make my scrape, doctor it up, do whatever and see what they prefer and kind of monitor both. Now that I'm leaning more towards that because I think I can learn something. Let's say the let's say this this 80 yard adjustment doesn't help. Uh, then I got to figure out why. Maybe 80 yards was too much. Maybe I didn't need to move it. I don't know. Um, but from what everything when I went and pulled that camera, I pulled the card on Sunday. It was Sunday. And I, and I checked it. I, I put it in the computer and I checked it and I'm going through it and I'm like, man, there's a lot of bucks on here. And I'm like, but there was only two days that there was daylight movement in there on shooter bucks that I was like, okay, it didn't, it just didn't, didn't give me the warm and fuzzies. Like I need to jump in there next year, uh, and really hone in. I, I felt but the first thing in my head was like, I got to move. I got to figure something else out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. What would you do? Would you eliminate that scrape? No, not not yet. Not not this next year because what I would have a hard why I would have a hard time eliminating it right now is one like you said about learning. But I it, it may actually take me two three maybe four years. You want to know why? Because I would have to be really watching the acorn r- rotation around there. Yeah. Or you know like the acorn crop because all of a sudden like if you have a really hot year. All of a sudden, that scrape may be ten times more valuable. Mm-hmm. But if you have two dead years, all of a sudden that scrape may be dead. So like it, that's that's a multi-year process. I think of when you start adding, you know, like a soft mass into the equation of particular spots or scrapes or whatever it may be. I think you got it. Like it's it's a multi-year thing to learn that. Yeah. No, I agree. And honestly. Um, there, there is another move that I think it needs to be made. I don't know. I'm so torn because of how it's not that thick and maybe I'm just overthinking it. Maybe, maybe I do need to throw a sit at it. Maybe I don't need to move. Maybe I just play the passive game and like kind of, kind of, maybe I go in and doctor up the scrape that's there right now that they destroyed. I mean, destroyed the scrape. Um, Maybe I just play off of that, you know, and, and, and I'm falling. The reason why I don't want to do that is because I feel like that's what I do in the past and I get the same result and it's not the result I want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's something to be said about those scrapes that they, that they start and absolutely hammer themselves. Like there's something to that, you know, and -hmm. and especially when we're not, we're not talking just about like a a field edge or something like, even though like Aaron's talking about this scrape being pretty open, it is still inside, you know, like a a field. It's still quite a ways off like a row crop field. So there is something to be said, but like, that's like, how were the acorns in there this year? Were they plentiful or were they not to be seen? 
Oh yeah. yeah. There was acorns okay. everywhere in there. Yeah. Okay. So like, let's just say, you know, like this 2022 season, there's tons of acorns in there. We don't know what this next fall will bring. It very well right. could be nothing, you know, or right. it could be this same thing. So like if it's, if there's nothing, if there's no acorns in there, guess what? There's a super high probability that that scrape isn't worth a damn. Right. You know, so yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's it's a multi-year pro- process, in my opinion. No, I agree. I'm going to actually do a, um, here on Onyx, I'm going to do a little uh, see how far it is from the bedding. Yeah. Um, and it's, real quick. When you, ta- when you talked about that, that Riley script that we made, you know, when you said that was a first for you about the, that coyote den, that's a first for me too, man. Like I, I've had, there's no doubt where they'll be like, I'll hit like a window, a three to five day window when all of a sudden you can see the coyotes have really like, they're just in there a lot. You know, like they've moved into an area and they're like, man, I'm getting a lot of coyotes. Cause I'm telling you right now, those coyotes are checking scrapes too, because it's not coincidence that a coyote comes and stands right in that scrape. And next thing you know, it's one picture. He's standing there. The next picture, his nose is down in the scrape. The next mm-hmm. picture, he's hits his tail and he's leaving. Like I, I think they track deer out of the scrape sometimes, but I've never, I, I have never seen a coyote make a den right. I'm, I mean, within spitting distance of a scrape. And of mm-hmm. course, if that happens, yeah, if I'm a deer, I'm not going there either. Yeah, and it definitely shifted the deer a a good a good ways around. They 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 actually did like a half moon shape. They'd still kind of come out of the bedding where they mm-hmm. normally would, but then it was kind of a half moon instead of like a straight line. So yeah, um, I just did a line distance from the scrape that they've been hammering, that I've been wanting to move to the bedding. It's 184 yards to the edge of the the thick cover. That's why I was thinking like an 80 yard move will get me within possibly that 100-yard distance that I might it might buy me 15 minutes. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Now, I will say the scrape from the row crop field is not far off of it. Um, it is... I mean, we're talking 40 yards. Okay. Off the so edge, it, off it the, is pretty close then. Yep, yep, yep. And then on that field edge, you know, we talk about field edge scrapes. On that field edge, there's... So like where the tra- where the main trail comes out into the field off of that 40-yard scrape, there's like six scrapes destroyed on the field edge right there. And when you walk that field edge, there's no more sign like that. That is where they come out. That is where – so I feel like I found the main hub the, or the main, the main highway. I just need to figure out where to, to set up on it um, to be successful on it. So, you know, there's, here it is like the overthinking game. You got to figure out what you're going to do. But, um, I think I'm going to start, I'm going to move, I'm going to do that 80 yard move or so and build another scrape and then just monitor both, you know, with, with cameras. And, um, I've got yesterday, I was telling you, I updated all my cameras. So all the firmware and everything is updated. Um, cards are ready. I, I haven't spent, you know, fifty thousand dollars on batteries yet, but um, that's coming. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, just trying to get everything ready. I want everything ready. I cleaned all the cameras, everything. They are ready. If I needed to go put cameras out tomorrow, they are ready to go. Just got to put batteries in them. So, 
Yeah, that that's a really great point, Aaron. Because as much as we're sitting here talking about scouting, and that's pri- that that's always usually priority one in the off season. Season twenty three off season also means preparing your gear, plan planning. You know, hunts. It means yep. making sure, like, if you're gonna, like, I I always say, if you're gonna run trail cameras, make them work for you. Don't like, don't half ass it. Like, no shortcuts. Like, you're gonna put that out there for information. Do your best job at it. Yeah, and one thing I didn't utilize last year was uh, what I have in the past, and I just dropped the ball, and I didn't put a, enough cameras out for the historical data that I wanted. I put a few out, but not not as many as I should have. This year, we're going full regalia. We are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and majority of those cameras are not going to be touched. Those are going to be um, SD card cameras that are literally going to soak, that are just yep. going to sit there and soak and uh i'm i'm excited for that i've i've got some goals wrote down and you and i we're going to do a podcast you know whenever coming into this next season and what our goals are looking like uh, i got a goal for next year um that that i'm really going to try to hone in on and, and uh and achieve and that's um it's going to be a challenge everybody out there might not think it is but it's going to be a challenge for me so mm-hmm. i'm i'm excited yeah, I'm excited yeah. to hear them. But you know, like when you when you just talked about how you how you dropped the ball last season about you know having you know like soaker SD card cameras. You know what I love? I, what I love about what you said right there, though, like you learn from that. Mm-hmm. Like you you realize that you know like oh man, I I have these tools and I didn't use them, but I'm mm-hmm. gonna fix that next year. Like that that's the that's the shit I love. I love when guys yeah. are like, guess what? I could have been better. And then the next year they go do things better. I love that. Yep. That's definitely um, where I need to put majority of my focus. Everything else is, is absolutely dialed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is where I need to put a lot of my focus. So yeah, I don't know that that's kind of what I had today. I was going to bring up some betting that I found, but I, I mean, we're kind of, we're a little lengthy on this, which is fine, but I, I, I don't think it's, where we need to, I, I did, I guess the one acre stuff I, you know, in closing. So the one acre, I want to start hinting on, like I'm putting a little time into that. The other day I put about five hours worth of work in there. I did some hinge cutting, um, a little bit just to kind of create some slash cutting and, and create some more, um, just some barriers so I can possibly get into a stand if they're deer, if there's going to be deer in the, in the one acre where I can just kind of get in undetected. I mean, one acre small, it's hard. So I did some of that, but the big thing was, and what I'm most excited about is, um, last year, the neighbors, the far, the neighbor, the farmer, he, his field would get backed up with water because coming through the one acre is a runoff little stream. And, uh, they came through and they made like basically a truck path with a skid loader and like a mulching head on it. They went through the one acre and ruined a lot of the hinge cutting, which at first I was bummed, but then I'm like, you know what they just did? They just opened up like a freaking highway to heaven for a runway or for, uh, for uh, some food. And that's the thing that I don't have come fall in there. And it's been one of the hindrances of, I just don't have food in there. Now they have woody brows, but my thing is like, there is going to be a carpet of green, uh, brassicas and clover in there now 
So what I did is I had to go in there and cut some trees away, clear it out. But there was a whole bunch of leaves and then there was about an inch worth of uh, just mulch on the ground. And so I went in there with a leaf blower. It took me about about three to four hours and I leaf blowed everything away. Like I said, there was no snow and I wanted to get good seed to soil because I didn't know if I'd have this opportunity to do it again because when I come in and frost seed, I want to throw it right on the ground and I want good seed to soil. It's very rich loamy black soil in there so i've got no i no problem that it's gonna it's gonna take off it's a poor man's plot i cannot get equipment back there because it's in the middle of a section farm fields all around me i can only walk stuff back there so um it's poor man's plot stage one of the poor man's plot is complete stage two will be frost seeding and just letting her grow so i'm filming that whole process so that'll be going live on youtube uh on the fall podcast youtube which by the way if you guys haven't noticed, like I'm trying to put up these podcast video versions of them as well. I'm a little slow with it just because I got a lot going on. But uh, Andy Mays just went up last night. So if you guys want to watch the video version of it, you're more than welcome to do that. Go over to the Fall Podcast, subscribe to it, the YouTube channel. Tell some people about it. Uh, some of our One Giant Mistakes episodes are on there. I got to get more on there. But like I said, just a busy man. Busy man making yeah. excuses. But uh being run pretty pretty thin and then next probably next week the big announcement that uh, i've been telling people like hinting at i can probably say next week so um yeah you, you guys will know more why uh everything is kind of hectic right now so yeah yeah for sure i i'm really looking forward to the the one acre project um because that's something totally outside my norm you know like mm -hmm. the little bit of habitat work this and that but what i love about it though is like even though you refer to it as the one acre and it's really small like that's just a that's just another piece like you know like you're not you're not putting yourself in a box of i'm only hunting this 140 acre piece like if that one acre provides one hunt for you in a fall a yep. high percentage hunt i don't care what size it is yep and like i when you sent me those videos the other day i'm like who's out with a leaf blower in the middle of february but i love it you know what i mean like i do I, I love it because it's like that's the stuff that's the stuff people don't see but we get to talk about it and share about it and in yeah. like your video in it so people i guess people will get to see it but it's like that stuff matters in the fall yeah right now the stuff you're doing right now can matter in the fall and don't don't overlook those small pieces man even if it's only good for one tree all you mm -hmm. need is one tree and the one correct animal to come through there and your season could change yeah and i even picked out two trees that i'm gonna prep and have you know for a saddle and everything and i even went in there and leaf blowed trails to those trees and cut away all the brush and everything so like right now it's a carpet of just dirt that i can be that last you know if it's that last 50 yards or so that i need to creep like i can creep in there and be undetected so that's another thing i was like ah, oh, wow i'm here and i got the leaf i walked the leaf blower back a half mile like i'm ready to i'll just I'm here. Why not do it? And if yep. it works, it works. If not, you know, it should be better than what it would be, you know, cause like you said, like once green up starts, like that's when my mindset starts changing to like walking on eggshells. I don't like pushing deer around. <laughs> like mm -hmm. when green ups yep. here, it's like, I like to stay out. So yeah. Yeah. Just add in another piece to your arsenal, buddy. It's good yep. stuff for sure. Well, let's cut this loose. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, see another season 23 episode. Um, we're almost 
almost done with the one giant mistakes. We got a couple more weeks of it. Uh, next week is going to be Bryce Dickinson, I believe. Isn't it Bryce? Yep. I think we're doing Bryce next week. Um, next Tuesday, Illinois Giant, the biggest buck that we've ever talked about on the podcast. So uh, make sure you guys tune into that on, uh, on Tuesday morning. And, uh, yeah, with that being said, I guess we'll uh, cut this loose. Thank you guys very much, and we will uh, see you next time on the Fall Podcast.